Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Now, today I want to talk by the grace of God about the accomplishment of the resurrection. The accomplishment, what did Christ accomplish through the resurrection? We know that through his death, burial and resurrection, he brought man into God. Through his birth, he brought God into man. And through his death, burial and resurrection, he took man into God. But his death accomplished something. We know that his death paid for our sins. So the judgment of God that was supposed to come upon us came upon him. So on on the cross, he paid or he took the judgment of God upon himself. On the cross, he, he dealt a blow. He dealt with the devil. On the cross, he dealt with the sin, the poison of the serpent, which is in the flesh. On the cross, one of the things that I always love to talk about, which the cross of Christ accomplished. So the cross of Christ appeased God, propitiated God. The cross of Christ dealt with the devil. The cross of Christ dealt with sin. The cross of Christ also dealt deals with or dealt with division and enmity and segregation amongst the human beings who is going to call to be the church, the cross of Christ dealt with that. So he accomplished redemption for us on the cross. Hallelujah. Now, uh, so if redemption has been accomplished, then that should have been the end of it. Why did he have to resurrect? Did the resurrection carry any weight or accomplish anything? Certainly, yes, the resurrection did. And I want to talk about the accomplishment of the resurrection. But it's amazing some of the text the scriptures give us about the resurrection. In the book of Matthew chapter 28 verse 6, Bible says that the angel said to them, he is risen. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. Jesus is not in the tomb. Talking about the grave. He is not in the tomb. Acts chapter 2 verse um, 26, 27, 26, 27. It says that for it is not possible that verse 20, actually verse 24 and 25. It is, it was not possible that grave should hold him. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 24. Whom God raised in their preaching, the early church, they preached, they preached the resurrected Christ. He said, whom God, Acts chapter 24, sorry, 2 verse 24, whom God raised, having loosed the pains of death, because it wasn't possible, it was simply not possible, it was not possible that he should be held, the King James said, hold, holding by it, but he should be held. Death and the grave had held him. He said it's not possible. And so the angel said to Mary, he's not here. He's risen. Matthew chapter 28 verse 6, as I said earlier on. And in Mark chapter 16 verse 6, he said he's not here. He's risen. Come and see where he lay. He's not there. In Luke chapter 24 verse 5, he said, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? Hallelujah. Don't be looking for Christ among the dead. Those great leaders who are dead, he's not one of them. Hallelujah. He's not among their league. He's not in their league. He's not in their league. He's, he's, he's unique. He's somebody, is uh, in a different realm. Hallelujah. So he said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? And the early church preached the resurrection. Bible says that in Acts chapter 2 verse 32, this Jesus God raised up whereof we are, uh, we all are witnesses. So they are witnesses of living witness. They are witnesses of the resurrection. And so when you look through the text, they preached the resurrection. They preached the cross and they taught and they preached the resurrection. I like this scripture. When I saw it, I saw, wow, this is so beautiful. But in Acts chapter Chapter 4, verse 31, it said, when they are played, they prayed, the place where they stood shook, and Bible said they were filled with boldness, and they declared the word with all boldness, and great grace was upon them, and grace was upon them. And Bible talks about how they, 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 none of them lacked anything, and God 
bless them. But in verse 33, Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it's such a beautiful text. I'm telling you. He said, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. The more we preach and we give witness of the resurrection, the greater the grace that we tend to enjoy. And so they preached the resurrection. There was the, the resurrection was, 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 was always on their lips. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, I think for in verse 42 or 41, 42, he said, God raised him and uh, showed him not to all the people, but showed him to witnesses who have been chosen before. That's very interesting. Whom, uh, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 verse 40 and 41. Acts chapter 10 verse 40 and 41. It says that him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before of God, even us who did it and drank it. So God had chosen certain witnesses and he said, God raised Jesus and showed him openly, not to everybody. I, sometimes this is that, but if God wants a lot of people to believe, why didn't he show Jesus? Jesus go to, in fact, when there was big parties, then you show up in the resurrection, after resurrection, he will show up. No, but God didn't do that. He should have gone to stadiums. He should have gone to people's homes from home to home. He didn't do that. Actually, he hid himself and showed himself to witnesses, showed himself with, to people who will tell others he's alive. He didn't have to be sure. So that those who believe the witnesses, then they are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But the point here is that they, he showed himself to people. He did not stay in the grave and they spoke about his resurrection in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 24, verse 26. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to have entered it in his glory. So his suffering was necessary, but his suffering preceded his glorification, his elevation, his exaltation. So he suffered, he had, he had to suffer. But as I said on, uh, uh, on Friday, Good Friday, that his, his, the crucifixion was not the end. He resurrected. After the crucifixion, he was buried and he resurrected. That is why the Apostles' Creed, he says that I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and he was buried. He ascended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again. He rose again. He didn't stay. He didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave. Acts chapter 2 24 said it was not possible that the grave should hold him. Hallelujah. I also prophesy on this day of resurrection that anything that is trying to hold your life down from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life may it break, may its power be broken off your life for you to rise and fulfill God's purpose in your life. Any power of hell any power of the devil that is trying to hold you down may its power be loose off your life. May May it be loose of your life. May it be loose of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. So shall it be. Now, so if the death accomplished something, how about the resurrection? I've got a few points to give. Number one, the resurrection, this is so important. The resurrection declared Christ, the human Jesus. All right. Now, please, may I take this time to say, sometimes people wrongly say that Jesus Christ was Partly God and partly man. So it's like he was half God, half man. No, he wasn't 50% God or 50% and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man in one person. So in Christ, he, in his human nature or in his human nature, he had the... Uh, in his person, the person of Christ, he had two natures, the, na- the full nature of man and the full nature of God. What does that mean? So that means that anything, everything a man is or a human being is, he was. That's why he cried. Bible says, John, John 11, verse 5, and Jesus works. Bible says in James chapter 4, he was in verse 5, 4, 5, he was tired and he sat by the well and he asked for water. 
because he tested. On the cross, he said, I'm thirsty. Bible said that he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. Jesus ate. Jesus slept on the boat. They were on, in the boat and Jesus was sleeping in, in Mark chapter 4. So Jesus did everything human beings did. He, he was born. He was a child. He was raised. He stayed with parents. He was all the, the full spectrum of humanity he was. And then the full, the, he still retained his divinity. So he was fully God in the human nature. Because if he was half partly human, he wouldn't have gone through some things that human beings go through. In fact, Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter, chapter four, verse 15. Bible said he was tempted at all points, just like we. As, just as we are. So Jesus also went through the temptation. The temptation that we go through or you go through, Jesus was also tempted. All right. So he was a full, he was fully man and fully God. But I watch this. That the, the child Mary gave birth to was a full blown human being. That is the first time God became a human being or the creature became not like the creature, but he actually became a creature. That's the mystery of Christianity. Bible says, First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh. So when on, on Christmas day, or when Mary, uh, when Jesus was born, he was God who has been born unto Isaiah chapter, chapter six, unto us, chapter nine, sorry, unto us a child, a, a, a child is given, unto us a son is born. That child that a child is born, unto us a son is given. That child that was born, it's, that child is the son of God at the same time. Now let me not take too much time and go going into that. So the point I'm trying to make is he was fully man. He was a full human being, full-blown human being. But no human being has ever died and come back by himself. There were resurrection uh, uh, resurrections in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha raised the dead. In the New Testament, Jesus raised the dead. He raised um the Lazarus, he raised, he rose Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he, sorry, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And John chapter 11, uh, verse four, uh, 42, 43, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised the widow, the widow's son from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, verse 38 there. He raised him from the dead, you know. So Jesus raised about five people from the dead. Paul raised somebody from the dead. Peter raised somebody from the dead. Acts chapter, that one I remember, Acts chapter 9, verse 40 and 41. Peter prayed for him, Dorcas. No, actually prayed for, yeah, he prayed for Dorcas and brought Dorcas back to life. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was preaching through the night, long preaching. And Eutychus, a young man, he fell and died. Paul went down, breathed on him. And he brought him back to life. So Jesus was not the only one who came back, who was resurrected. All these people were resurrected. But the difference between the resurrection of Jesus and these ones is that in the resurrection of all these resurrections, one, there were external people involved demonstrating the power of God. That's one. And two, they died again. But in Jesus' resurrection, it, it, there was no external person involved, but he himself. The Bible said God raised him. It was spirit to spirit. Spiritual. God raised the physical body of Jesus Christ. Why am I saying this? Because of the point I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to make. In Romans chapter one, verse three, it says that, um, that's the gospel. Let me start from verse one to make sense. Paul said, Several Jesus who had come to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised before by the prophets in the holy scriptures. The gospel is concerning, the gospel is concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So he has always existed. But when he came in the flesh, remember Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 3. What the Lord could not do, God did by sending forth his son in the likeness of human flesh. So Jesus has always existed. Bible says in that um, he who is the, uh, no one has seen the father, but he who, John chapter 1 verse 18, he said, 
He who is from the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So he came, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he existed before he was born. He existed in eternity time. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So the word has always been in the beginning. But verse 14, John 1, 1 and John 1, 1, 2. But verse 14 says that, and the word became flesh. All right. So he has always existed, but he he became, he was born in time. Now, this is talking about in Romans chapter 5, chapter 1, verse 5, verse 4, it says that, verse 3, concerning this, concerning the gospel, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, that flesh, I mean, according to humanity, his humanity. In, in his humanity, he didn't have humanity, but when he was born, he had humanity, and that's why he had genealogy, all right? If you have humanity, you must have genealogy. He was made. So this humanity, watch this. And now he's talking about Jesus Christ in his humanity and was declared to be the son of God with power. Wasn't he the son of God already from verse 3? He says that concerning the son, uh, his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. He was the son of God already. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So before he came, he was the son already. No one has seen the father. No one has seen. It is the son who was in the, is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. John chapter 1 verse 18. So here, for him to say that he was declared to be the son of God. What do you mean then? He was declared. In other words, it's like he was born into sonship again. What kind of sonship? This is why I took my time to explain that Jesus is fully human and fully God. But his full humanity, the first time humanity was born into divinity. Humanity merged with divinity. That is why he resur- when he resurrected, he could go pass through the wall or go into a room without being invited. You have locked the door. He will show up. That is why he just went up. He went, ascended. And he ascended with his human resurrected, glorified human body. He ascended and he seated on the right hand of God. Hallelujah. And that's God's going, that's our destiny. We are also going to be transformed to be like him. Hallelujah. And so Bible says that Jesus Christ, even though he was God in the flesh that his humanity was birthed into another dimension which has never happened in history no human being has attained unto divinity the status of divinity in his humanity so for the first time humanity was introduced into divinity that's why i said in his birth he brought divinity into humanity in his death and resurrection he and ascension he took humanity into divinity so the act of watch this the act of taking humanity the human nature into the divine nature into divinity that process that act is what I am calling. He was born, kind of like born again, or he was begotten as the son of God, or he was, he was declared as the son of God. Watch this. So verse three again, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, verse four, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So when he resurrected from the dead, something happened. When he resurrected from the dead, he accomplished, his humanity was declared to be the son of God. I, I hope you are getting it. So because he became the son of God, he was the only begotten of the father but now he became the firstborn son of god so that we so in romans chapter 8 verse 29 he said for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed uh, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that he might his son jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brethren so he was born he was birthed into god by the resurrection so that we too will become like him by the resurrection we will be born into the nature of god so when, when you are a Christian, you actually, actually carry the nature of God. First Peter chapter one, verse three. 
says that he has be blessed be God who has begotten us again into a lively hope or he has begotten us again by the resurrection of Christ. So when the resurrection took place, now we could also become the sons of God, human beings for the first time. So for the first time in John chapter 20 verse 17, when he resurrected, when he was, when he hadn't gone to the cross, the highest status and the highest description he gave to his disciples where I call you friends, John chapter 15, I call you friends, I call 15, 15, John chapter 15, 15 and 16, I call you friends. But when he resurrected, John chapter 20 verse 17, he said, go and tell my brother, my brothers, go and now he calls them his brothers because he has now, he has now, he's taken humanity into divinity and they are following. So in Hebrew chapter 6 verse 20, he says that our Jesus Christ, our forerunner, he has gone ahead. In Hebrew chapter 2 verse 10, it talks about Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. Captain there means pioneer. Captain there means author. Captain Demi means originator. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the author of our salvation. He's the prince of our salvation. He's the leader of our salvation. So being author, remember where he talk about, therefore, looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12 to the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author of our faith and he's the author of our salvation. He's the captain of our salvation. In, in Acts chapter 3 verse 15, he's the author of life. Hallelujah. But the point here is that Jesus Christ when he became he was the, his humanity was declared the son of God. We follow you. In Acts chapter 13 verse this is a very important scripture. Acts chapter 13 verse 33 Acts 13 33 Hallelujah Glory to Jesus Glory to Jesus Glory to God let me read from verse 32. And we, we, and we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which God made to our fathers, watch this, he has fulfilled the same, that's the same promise God has fulfilled unto us, their children. How did he fulfill it? In that he raised up Jesus again. God raised up Jesus again as it is also written in the second Psalm, Psalm 2 verse 7. It's also, so he quoted from Psalm 2 verse 7. Uh, so, so the promise which God made to our fathers, he has fulfilled to his, uh, we, his, their children in that. How did he fulfill it? He raised Jesus up from the, uh, 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 raised Jesus up again. As it is written in the second Psalm, thou art my son, and this day I have begotten you. He said the resurrection was what was predicted in Psalm 2, that you are my son. And this day, what is the this day? Is it when Mary gave birth to him or when he resurrected? It was when he resurrected. God declared by the resurrection, today I've given birth to you. In what way? I have Your humanity have been born into, a, into divinity. Your humanity has been born into divinity. So this day, I have begotten you. And it is all through the scriptures. It's repeated in uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5. I love this text. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5 says that for unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. This day I have begotten you. Now if Christ, if Jesus, the eternal son, uncreated. Why is he saying this day? That this day is talking about when the humanity through the resurrection was birthed into a new state of divinity. So that's why up till now we have a man in heaven. His name is Jesus. There's no name given amongst men than by which men must be saved, except the name Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there's no mediator, there's only one mediator, sorry, First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. There is only one mediator between God and man. And look at what said, the man Jesus. The man is still a man in heaven, but he couldn't go to heaven if he had not resurrected. So the resurrection paved the way. The resurrection declared him the son of God. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5 says that, So also Christ 
Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said to him, Thou art my son, and today I have begotten thee. There is a today, a today when Christ's humanity was begotten. That today is the day of resurrection. Hallelujah. And so the resurrection introduced or the resurrection declared Christ as the son of God in his humanity. Because he's always been the son of God, the eternal son of God. But he became the firstborn son of God in his humanity by the resurrection, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Secondly, what did the resurrection accomplish? The resurrection is a statement. It means that there is the, the redemption has been accomplished. God, so what he, whatever Christ did on the cross has been fulfilled or has been authenticated, has been whatever he came to do on the cross when he went on the cross he came actually to redeem us from the judgment of God pay for our sin yes it, it has been accomplished so he redeemed us Bible says in um, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 said having redeemed having redemption through his blood he has we have redemption through his blood Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 we have redemption through his blood hallelujah Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 he says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord being made a curse for us for it is written curse is anyone that hangs on the tree so as he hanged on the cross the tree he redeemed us now the resurrection endorses the, re- the act of redemption Without the resurrection, what he did on the cross would have been useless and it, it would have been null and void. But when he resurrected, yeah, it has happened. Whatever I did on the cross has been authenticated. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. See how he puts it. It says that, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Did you see that? You are still in your sins if Christ had not risen. So the resurrection of Christ takes you out of your sins. In what way? It's because Christ died for our sins. So because he died for our sins, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, For you have not been redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but verse 19 said, But by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot. So we have been, we actually were redeemed. We actually have been redeemed from the curse of the Lord. I remember in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, the Bible says that they sang a song, worthy, worthy are you to receive glory and honor for thou was slain and have redeemed men unto God. Now when he was slain, that means he was crucified. His redemptive act, his redemptive work on the cross wouldn't have been effective if he had not resurrected. Then he said you would have still been in your sin. But guess what? You and I who are in Christ, we are no more in our sins. Why? Because he resurrected. The implication of the resurrection, the meaning of the resurrection, the necessity of the resurrection, why he had to resurrect, the accomplishment of the resurrection is that you and I are no more in our sins in the name of Jesus Christ. In in Romans chapter 3 verse 4, 24 is it talks about how we are being justified through his by faith through his grace by the redemption that is in the blood hallelujah so the 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 cross brought us redemption the next point so number one um, he was declared to be the son of god through the resurrection number two the redemption was accomplished his that means that his sacrifice the sacrifice he gave to god on the cross by his body through his body has been accepted number three the resurrection proved that he was the holy one in acts chapter 2 verse 27 he said you will not suffer your holy one to see corruption no you can't you can't stay dead (laughs) sometimes holiness has a way of saving us when i say saving us not saving us from our, um, our sins but it saves us from negative influence and negative venom of the devil. When you keep your life clean, Satan cannot easily harass you. When you keep your life clean in Christ, Satan cannot easily harass you. So those of us who are in church, those of you who are in church and still living in sin, you are born again, but now you have gone back living in sin. You are exposing yourself for Satan to have easy access to you and he can do anything. But when you are not living in sin and you are in Christ, you can't see corruption in a lot of areas of your life. I don't know who I'm talking to. 
But anyway, in Acts chapter 2, verse 27, he said, you will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. That means that Jesus was the Holy One. What does that mean if he's the Holy One? He's the one that has been prophesied from Genesis. He's the one the prophet spoke about. He is the one. He said, we have seen Jesus. We have seen Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the one Moses spoke about, John chapter 1, I think verse 45. We have seen him, whom Moses spoke about. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth in verse 46? So Jesus Christ is the one who was prophesied in the scriptures. If he had not resurrected, he wouldn't have been the one. But he resurrected to prove that he is the one who was prophesied in the scriptures. If he's the one who has been prophesied in the scriptures, then that means he is who he said he was. He was who he said he was. The teachers, his resurrection proved that he was the son of God. Now, you know, one of the, the main reason why he was crucified from the Jewish, point, uh, Jewish standpoint is because he makes, he said he's God. That's why they crucified him. In fact, so on the cross, when the earthquake happened, the centurion and his guards, Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, Bible says the centurion said, indeed, this man is the son of God. <laughs> when he saw what was happening, why? Because he knew that was the charge against him. And so the Jews crucified him because he said he was God. He was the son of God, making himself equal with God because he said, I and the father are one. John 10, 30. I and the father are one. He said, you can't separate us. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. John chapter 14, verse 9. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. So he, they crucified him because they said he made himself God. Guess what? God said, all right, I'm going to raise him to, to prove that he's actually God. He's the son of God. I'm going to prove it. So by raising him, God God negated their accusation against him. So God proved that he is the holy one. This is the one. This is the one. At his baptism, the Bible says that the heavens was opened and the Holy Spirit descended and a voice came and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is the one. Listen to him. And Bible says that every that one of the reasons why he resurrected part of the, to prove that he is the only one that he taught so many things. And one of the things he said is that you crucify me and I'll raise in the, I'll, I'll, I'll rise, I'll rise in the third day. I'll be resurrected. I'll rise back to life on the third day. They said, give us a sign in John chapter two, verse um, 23. Yeah. John chapter two. He said, destroy this temple. No, from verse 21, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. And by so he was talking about his body, but they thought he was talking about the temple where he has whipped the people out of. So destroy this temple and I'll raise it on the third day. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, they asked him, give us a sign. They came to ask him, not Matthew chapter 12. Sorry, I missed that text. They came to ask him, give us a sign. And um, he said, it, it, it says that a, an adulterous generation is always an evil and an adulterous generation is always looking for a sign. I think it's Matthew chapter 20, Matthew in the 20th verse 30, 38 and 39. He said, there will no sign be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And he said, as Jonah was in the well of the belly, verse 40, in three, for three days, so the son of man will be in the heart of the earth. So, and that means that I'll resurrect. What he said he would do, he did. Everything he said he was, who he said he was, he was. What he said he would do, he would do. And then if he said that he is coming back, that means he's going to come back. If he said he's with you, resurrection proves that if Jesus said he's with you, that means he's with you. If he said fear not, don't mean don't fear. Don't worry about what is going on in your life because the resurrection proves that whatever he says is so. It proves that he is the Holy One. Number four, the resurrection proves that Jesus has triumphed over Satan. Bible says in Galatians, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 that he made an open show, the open show of principalities and powers triumphing over them. In, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, it says that he became, he himself became part, uh, since the sons was flesh and blood. He became he himself shared in the same that through death he might destroy the one. Okay, so in his crucifixion he came to destroy the one who had the power of death, who is the devil. He came to destroy him, and when he resurrected, mission accomplished. Hallelujah! So in his resurrection he destroyed the one who he destroyed Satan. He dealt Satan a blow. I, I, that is the that is what God said in. 
Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, when the Lord told the serpents, because of what you have done, he says, you will bruise the, the seed of the woman, you bruise the seed, his heel, but, and then he said, and he will bruise your head. He says, crush the head. If you hit my knee, my heels, and I crush your head, who will live? He dealt a, a fatal blow to him who has the power of death, who is the devil. So Jesus Christ defeated the devil and crushed him. Number five, he completed his assignment in his human living. All right. So his resurrection was a proof that anything God sent him to come and do in the human nature, also in his human living, he has accomplished it. He has completed it. So on the cross in Matthew chapter 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. What is finished? The assignment I'm supposed to do is finished. That's why he resurrected to prove that it's finished. So in, in the resurrection, the resurrection proved that anything, the assignment he came to do in his human living has been uh, has had been accomplished in Hebrews chapter three verse sorry, Hebrews chapter one verse three. I like that text. I would definitely. I'm already in Hebrews. Praise God. Chapter one verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Watch this. This is the way I'm coming. When he when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. He sat down when he had purged our sins. To sit down means I'm done. I'm done. That's why the Bible says that Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 verse 19 and 20, God has highly verse 20, God has highly exalted him or God uh, 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 raised him above principle and sat, therefore God raised him, the power, sorry, the power that raised Christ and sat him verse 19, the power that raised Christ and seated him on the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter, chapter you will like this one, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, watch this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, talking about the priests the priests in the Old Testament, they kept standing, they kept sacrificing. But Jesus, Bible said, as for this one, this man, talking about Jesus, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of, of God. He sat down because he's finished his job. His job on earth, or his job on earth as a human being, his job in his humanity on earth was finished. That's why I went to heaven to sit down. But his job in heaven continues. He, I, I possibly if I get a chance, I'll mention that a bit. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Therefore looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, therefore is seated on the right hand of the Father. Who for looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the sheep, and is sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he finished his job and went and sat down. He sat down. Once you sit down, it means my job is finished. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, it says that now of the things which we have spoken, have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such a high priest who is set, who is, who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. He sat, he seated. So his resurrection showed that he had finished his job in his human living on earth. So in his human living, whatever he came to do within the 33 years, he has accomplished it. That is why he was resurrected. So the resurrection showed he had accomplished what he came to do in his human living. Number six, by the resurrection, it, the resurrection was a statement and what that's what a declaration and was a sign that man had overcome the greatest, uh, the, uh, the ultimate enemy of man. Man has always feared death. Men always fear death. Human beings have always, because they're ultimate. If anyone dies, that's the ultimate. And so no human being in their right senses will, or no society will be looking for death to come in their right senses. It's the ultimate. Humans fear death. Bible said, who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15. Who through the fear of death or the human beings all their lifetime subject to bondage. But guess what? Jesus came to the cross and I said it on Friday that in his dying, in 
in the death of Christ, death died. The power of death. In First Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 55. Beautiful scripture. Beautiful. Very, very beautiful scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 55 says that 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. The, the second part of 54. All right. It says that, so then shall, uh, so then shall be brought the, uh, shall brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up. So for the first time in human history, a human being has been able to defy and conquer death. And taking the power away from death. Hallelujah. That is what his, his uh, resurrection meant. That human being, a human being has dealt with death. In Hebrews chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it says that Jesus tasted death for all men or for all. All right. So that he might taste death. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than angel crowned with, um, uh, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for everyone. He tasted death. So what happened, what he did to death is not only him. Those of us who are in him are going to do the same to death in the name of Jesus. That's, that's what means that if Christ resurrected, that means we shall also resurrect. Somebody shout hallelujah and hallelujah. I hope you are learning something. Um, then, so number seven. So let me re- recount them quickly. Number one. He was declared to be the son of God. Number two, the redemption or his sacrifice has been, has been accepted or redemption has been accomplished. Number three, the resurrection proved that he is the holy one. Number four, the resurrection proved that he had completed his assignment in his human living. Number five, the resurrection, by the resurrection, Jesus triumphed over Satan. Number six, by the resurrection, the resurrection is a proof and a reflection that man has overcome the ultimate or the ultimate enemy of man who is death. And by uh, number seven, number seven, when he was in a human, his human nature, there was no way he could be in you. There was no way he could be in man. But when he died, Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45, that the second Adam became a life giving spirit. The first Adam was a living soul. The second Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus is the second Adam. When, from the, when he resurrected from the dead, he became a life-giving spirit. And so he could now live in us. Before the resurrection, he couldn't live in us. But after the resurrection, he can now live in us. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it talks about if Christ lives in, or be in you. Christ is in some people. Those of us who are born again, Christ lives in us. Romans chapter 8 verse 10, if Christ be in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit, uh, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So if Christ lives in you, or if Christ is in you, he couldn't have been in us without the resurrection if he had stayed in his human body. So the resurrection made him a life-giving spirit who became, who enters us and make us the children of Christ. Christ is in you. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the resurrection makes Christ in you. Now watch this. If Christ is in you, then you are the church. That's so important. What is the church? The church is Christ in you, Christ in him, Christ in her, Christ in them, Christ in us. That is the church. And so what I'm trying to say is that the resurrection was a, the, a church producing resurrection. Hallelujah. <laughs> the resurrection was a church producing resurrection. The resurrection of Christ was a church producing resurrection. It accomplished a lot. Number eight. The resurrection of Christ qualifies him to be our heavenly high priest. <laughs> That's so good. If he hadn't resurrected, he couldn't have been a high priest. Two things that made it necessary, two qualifications of him becoming a high priest. In um, Hebrews chapter 5, 
verse 1, For every high priest is taken from amongst men and is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So every high priest is taken from amongst men. Number one, you cannot be a high priest if you are not a human being. So first of all, you have to be a man. You have to be a human being. That is number one important qualification of being a high priest. Okay, so uh, when before Jesus was born as a human being, he wasn't a high priest. He wasn't a priest. And when he lived on earth, he wasn't a priest. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He wasn't a priest. So now that he's a high priest, how did he become high priest? Hallelujah! That's what I'm talking about! How did he become a high priest? Because Jesus is our high priest. I read earlier on in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, and then I'll also read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. I'll, uh, that's okay. Let me start from Hebrews chapter 2. I'll prefer to read from, all right, let me go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 8, verse 1, and I'll come back. Now, of the things which we have spoken, have spoken, this is the sum. This is the sum total of what we are trying to say. We have such a high priest. Hallelujah! We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. He's not here. He's high priest. He's Paul. <laughs> Paul in his epistles most of the time spoke about Christ in us. But in Hebrews, he spoke about Christ in heaven. Hallelujah. Christ in heaven. He sits, he's seated in heaven. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says that, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Ah, how did he become a high priest? I'm going to show you. Chapter 2 verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. It says that, Wherefore, in all things, it's... Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. This is so touching. Amen. Wherefore, in all things, it behooves him to be made like unto his brethren. Talking about us. It is required. It was necessary that he becomes a human being. He be made like us. In what way? Why? That by uh, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. It was necessary that he, you can be a high priest and represent people who you are not like. So he had to be like us so he can represent us. So one qualification or one requirement, sorry, one requirement of being a high priest to represent as the church is number one, you have to be one of us. And Jesus is our senior brother. Jesus is like one of us. Hallelujah. So Jesus is like one of us. In, John, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it talks about we have a high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 says that, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Oh, wow. Who has passed into the heavens? Jesus Christ, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So we have a great high priest. Jesus is our uh, is our great high priest. You want to see Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, and Hebrews chapter 5, verse 10. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made. Let me start from verse 4. It makes sense more. Hallelujah. And no man takes this honor upon himself, but he that is called of God as Aaron. So you don't just choose that. Today I'm a pastor. You must be called. You don't say I'm a priest. You must be called. No one takes this honor upon himself. All right. So it says that no one takes this honor upon himself except who is called just like Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Guess what? Watch this. Watch this. But he that said to him, thou art my son today, I have begotten you. You remember I spoke about that. The day he resurrected, he said, he that said you are my son, today I have begotten you. He, that same day that he was begotten in his humanity in, into divinity, that same day, Bible says that he was declared a high priest. I will show you something. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. His high priesthood was not the normal one in the Old Testament, which had um, those high priests, they were always dying because when human beings, no human being can live forever. Huh? That's the difference between the Aaronic high priest and the Melchizedekian high priest. The Melchizedek who met Abraham, that's the first priest that was mentioned in the Bible, Melchizedek, before Aaron was made a priest by God through the law. 
All right. And then the God instituted the priesthood system. There must always be a priest representing people before God. There must always be a priest because of human sins. There must always be a priest. But these priests were not permanent because they always had to die and they always also had to offer sin a sacrifice for their own sins first before they offer sacrifice for people. But Jesus Christ offered his blood once and for all according to Hebrews chapter 10. Once and from verse 10, 11, 12, once and for all and he sat down. He offered himself his own blood, and he sat down. So this our high priest, talking about Jesus Christ being our high priest, he was declared the son of God, and at the same time, high priest, according to the order, Melchizedek, in Hebrews chapter 7, he said, this Melchizedek, he, uh, without genealogy, without father, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, for first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of kings. This is what I want to read, verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of days. Who can this be? Human being that hasn't got beginning of days and all of this, that's Jesus. Abraham met Jesus. Hallelujah. That Melchizedek can priest who met Abraham was a type of Jesus. And now, when he was resurrected from the dead, in his humanity, he was declared a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 says that whether the forerunner is for us. Let me read from New King James, New King James, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, yeah, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, it talks, thank you, Holy Spirit, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become, uh, he's our forerunner, he's our forerunner, he's our, the, the author of our salvation. He's the captain of our salvation. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. He's the captain of our salvation. He's a forerunner. He's, he goes ahead of us. So that means where he is, we are coming there. Hallelujah. Where he is, we are coming there. He's in glory. I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So he's a forerunner. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever. He became. He wasn't always. He became. Jesus became a high priest. At what point in time did he become a high priest? By the resurrection. That's what I'm trying to say. But except because by the resurrection, God told him, this day have I begotten you. And according to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5, that scripture when he said, this day have begotten you, that is, let me read it again. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5. Look at this. It says that, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest. He didn't glorify. You can't choose to be a priest by yourself. That's what he's saying. So Christ also didn't just take it upon himself to be a priest. So when did he become a priest? He says that, but it was he who said to him, thou art my son. Today I have begotten you. He also said in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So when he said, the day God said, I have begotten you, God, that was when God declared him as high priest. So Jesus Christ is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 7. This is the best of the high priest text. I love this one so much. Hebrews chapter 7 verse um, 16. This is good. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 7 16 says that. Let's read from verse 15. And it is yet far more evident. If in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest Watch this. He arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. Another, another priest, verse 16, who has come, not his priesthood, watch this. He has come not according to the law of the fleshly commandment, but his priesthood was according to the power of an endless life. <laughs> that means a life that has defied death. A life that has conquered death. His high priesthood, he came in that power. All the other high priests in the Old Testament, amongst men, they were high priests, declared high priests by the law. That's what he said. Hebrews chapter verse 16. Who became, uh, who has come, not according to 
You see, his high priesthood is not according to the law of fleshly commandment. The law gave. So all Aaron and all those people, the law say you are high priest. The law say, but Jesus' own is not like that. Jesus' own, how did he become high priest? By the power of an endless life. How did he get an endless life? By the resurrection. <laughs> by the resurrection. So by the resurrection, he was declared a high priest and who has an endless life. So watch this. When you read the verse 23 or 24, Hebrews chapter, but, um, but he, but he, Jesus, because he continues forever, in other words, if God doesn't die, has an unchangeable priesthood. He doesn't need anyone to take over from him because he doesn't die. His high priesthood is different. It's Melchizedekan. Like according to Melchizedek, who has no genealogy, no beginning, no end, no far. That's what, that's the kind of high priest he has. So his high priesthood doesn't need to be changed. Bible, let me read it again. He says that, but he, because he continues forever, that means because he doesn't die, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for us. So he, in heaven, he's working. He's making intercession for us, but time will not permit people to go into that. For, uh, this is the key. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 26. Verse 26. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Verse 26. He said, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Such a high priest is fitting for us. We. The church, our high priest is amazing. Our high priest is amazing. I said our high priest is amazing. So Jesus Christ is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. His high priesthood is in the order of Melchizedek. The Melchizedekan order of high priest. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 21. And I'll move on to something else. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 21 says that, and having a high priest over the house of God, who we have a high priest. Let us, verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled uh, uh, from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. But the point is that having a high priest and having a high priest over the house of God, we have a high priest, Christ our high priest, and is working. One day I have to talk about uh, the high priestly duties. I think I've preached already. It's on SoundCloud or something like that. The high priestly duties of Christ. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's getting something. May you, may you enjoy from our high priest. He became high priest by the, by the resurrection. And I think I'll just add one more. I had 12, but let me make it 10. Oh, this is number eight, nine. I'll make it nine. That's okay. Number nine, by the resurrection, his humanity entered into glory. He took humanity and Move humanity into glory by the resurrection. In fact, John chapter 12, verse 22, when they said, when the, he, the, the Greeks came and said, I will want to see Jesus. When they told Jesus, I think verse 23, Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Hallelujah. Glorified. 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 Now in John chapter 17, verse, verse 1, um, the Bible says that, these words speak Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify your son that thy son also may glorify thee. Glorify your son. Glorify your son. Right? He says, so in the, in the, in Jesus' human living and the crucifixion, he glorified God. In the resurrection, God glorified him. In Jesus' crucifixion, his human living and crucifixion, he glorified God. And in the resurrection and ascension, God glorified him. Hallelujah. Look at verse 4. I have glorified you on earth, on the earth, and have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy, with thine own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So he said, I had glory with you before I came. Now time for you to glorify me because it was about to go into death. And God glorified him through the resurrection. In Acts chapter 3 verse 13 says that the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate who was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One. You see, the Holy One has come, the just one, and desired a murderer to be granted to you and killed 
the prince of life, the author of life I spoke about, the author of life, the, the pioneer of life. You kill the whom God raised from the dead. Well, well, we are witnesses. But it says that the God, God raising him from the dead was his act of glorifying him. Verse 30 again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his son or his servant. Some translations say his servant has glorified him through the resurrection. So the resurrection was him being glorified. So he entered into glory. Watch this. He took humanity and entered into glory. That's why Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 said that where of, where where our forerunner has entered. That means that our pioneer, the one who is leading us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. I like that one. I like every scripture anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some are sweet. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For it, it became him. King James. Let me take New King James. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says that for it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, talking about God, in bringing many sons to glory. He was bringing many sons. We are the many sons of God who have become the sons of God because of Jesus. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation, the captain of their salvation, the author of their salvation, the forerunner of their salvation, the pioneer of their salvation, to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. But what? He was bringing us to glory. He himself was the pioneer, so he entered into glory. In Hebrews chapter 6 again, verse 20, whereof our, our forerunner has entered uh, for he's a forerunner. He has gone ahead. He's the captain of our salvation and we are following suit. And so he entered into glory through the resurrect, by the resurrection, he entered into glory. And in, uh, because Jesus has entered into glory, we are also going to enter into glory. Remember Luke chapter 24 verse 26 says that ought not the Christ have suffered all things and afterwards enter into his glory? Hallelujah. Ought not the Christ to have suffered all these things? So after the resu- after the crucifixion was the resurrection. The resurrection was the entrance and entry into glory by our forerunner. So he entered and we are coming. That's why Bible says in Hebrews and Ephesians chapter two verse six that he uh, and we were seated together in Ephesians chapter two. It talks about God who is full of mercy from verse four, who is rich in mercy. Whilst we are dead in our trespasses, quicken us with Christ and raise us together with him. And verse 6 says that, and he made us sit together with him in heavenly places. So he has taken the lead. He is there, but we are there with him. Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 17 that as he is, so are we in the world. As he is, so are we. So how he is, that's how we are. We are operating from the place, we are on our way into glory, from glory to glory. First, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says as we we are with an open face, beholding us in the mirror or us in the glass, are being transformed into the same image. How? From glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. Bible says that in bringing many sons to glory, we have become sons so we can enter glory with Christ. Hallelujah. When we talk about entering glory, we're not just talking about death. We are talking about the glory of God, who he is. We are going to share part of it. Look at um, Romans chapter, in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says that our our present affliction is nothing, our ple- is, cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory. That is coming. There's glory that is coming on our life, which nothing on earth and nothing physical can compare to. Hallelujah. Your, our suffering for Christ, it cannot be compared at all to the glory that is, is about to follow. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, verse 18, and verse 21, and I think I'll end. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glory, uh, we may also be glorified with him. Hallelujah. Verse 18. For I consider that our suffering at this present time is not worth to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Glory will be revealed in us. Look at verse 21. Because the because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberties of the children of God. So there's glory. Oh, we have been called into glory. Bible says 
God bringing many sons into glory. First Corinthians chapter two verse seven talks about how uh, it's, um, we, we speak wisdom ordained to our glory. First Tim, uh, First Thessalonians chapter two verse twelve. I would like to read that one. First Thessalonians chapter two verse twelve. That we would walk worthy of God who are, who calls you, or that you walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom. And his glory. Hallelujah. Now, let me run up. Um, because of my time, let me run up. Let me add this one. Verse 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. No more, no more scripture, just this one. First Corinthians 15, 19. He said, If in this world we have hope, if only in this world we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Most miserable. So that means that our hope is not just here. Our hope is beyond because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we have hope even after death. If Bible said, they who die in Christ, if we are in Christ and we die in Christ, that's not the end. For me to live is Christ to die again. So in conclusion, the resurrection accomplished, the accomplishments of the resurrection, he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection. He, his redemp- by the resurrection, his redemption was endorsed. Uh, the redemptive work on the cross was endorsed by the resurrection. He is the holy it the, by the resurrection the resurrection proved that he is the holy one. The resurrection in the res- by the resurrection he completed his assignment in in his human living. All right. It's the uh, resurrection was re- reflection of the completion of his assignment in the uh, his assignment in his human living. The resurrection it, by through the resurrection he triumphed and destroyed the over he triumphed over and destroyed the devil. By the resurrection man man has overcome resurrection or the resurrection was a prediction a depiction that man has overcome his greatest and ultimate enemy who is death by the, the resurrection the resurrection uh it was a church producing resurrection the resurrection was a church producing resurrection and then number eight is the resurrection qualifies jesus to be our high priest and number nine by the resurrection his humanity entered into glory which we are also following and Finally, the resurrection gives us hope, not only in this life, but the life to come. Amen. These are some of the accomplishments of the resurrection. That's why the Bible says they preached the resurrection with power and great grace was given to them. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.